kick in probably until the fall of 2022 at the earliest. But um, just, just to make you aware of that, there's a, there is hopefully a plan coming for how we're going to try to um, facilitate the growth that the Lord's been giving us here. So, And you guys are a key part of that. So thank you for all the ways that you've helped us. All right. Well, you know that Sunday school, you know, as I was thinking about what, what, to, what to launch into today, I was like, you know, we'll have some people back. Some people are still coming in. But you know what? I just want to launch into a new study this morning. Is that okay? Can we do that? Yeah, well, you know, the, purposes of, 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 the purpose of Sunday school is we have kind of been calling this sort of informally our core convictions time, where we're trying to put things before you that are very important that you guys need to think through. Uh, key theological things. We looked at the gospel last semester for a long time, um, and we had a, just a, a sweet time looking at, looking at those truths. You guys had mentioned um, evangelism and outreach, and that, that being a desire uh, that, we, that we could begin looking at that. So that is coming. Um, but I want to start the semester uh, with, a, with a new topic and uh, just lead off with one of those sort of obscure topics that maybe is not as important to you or maybe you don't see it as, as being super important, but is, is very important. Maybe I doubt you've thought much about it. Um, you probably never talked to your friends about it. Uh, but it's the topic of dating. Yeah, you can laugh. It's okay. I'm attempting to be funny, you know. What? Oh, yeah, right, thanks. Thanks for the confidence booster. So, yeah, we're going to talk about dating uh, for the next few weeks, or courting, or we're just intentional friends, ing. Or what are, what are some other things you guys call this? Uh, we're, we're, we're not, we don't have a labeling. We don't, we don't label. We don't believe in that. We're just what? Friending? I don't know. Oh, okay. Going out on dates but not dating. All right. So there's, there's, lots, of, there's lots of titles to maybe what we could call this series. Um, so you're probably thinking, well, where's, where's Pastor Clay at? Uh, on, on that. What does he call it? Well, I'm actually, uh, you know, is, is it dating, courtship? I'm actually more of an arranged marriage guy. <laughs> so now that I have a bride and we got to date, now I have daughters and I am an arranged marriage guy. So <laughs> we're going to start a new series this morning. If you're listening online later, this says arranged marriages, uh, how to acquire a spouse in five weeks or less. So not that you guys can't read. I'm assuming you can. But so no, that is not what I'm calling the series. I'm not an arranged marriage guy, although it does have its benefits. (laughs) So we are going to look at the topic of dating, dating this semester, um, I'm calling our, our series Dating, uh, Moving from Singleness to Marriage in a Way that Honors Christ. That's really my shorthand definition. We're going to come back to that. Hopefully we'll put it all together at the end of this, this morning. But yeah, we want, we want to talk about this. And um, obviously it's important. A number of you are dating, thinking about it, talking to me about it. And so I looked back in the archives. I've actually preached some of this stuff before, and it was over three years ago. So I thought, probably do for another, another iteration of this. So, um, if you heard it before, not a lot of new content. But, 
um, maybe you have new questions. So we can, we can field those. So I want this to be as interactive as it, as it can be. So if I you know, just start chatting at you guys and start kind of going, going into full-on preaching mode, just raise your hand or yell out if I'm distracted and ask questions. So um, we'll, look at, we'll look at it over the next uh, four-ish weeks probably. I know I said that about the gospel, but I turned it to ten. But I really want to get to evangelism and outreach, so uh, we're just try to keep it to four, four weeks. And uh, today I want to introduce the topic uh, of dating, so I'm calling this first message the introduction to dating. Introduction to dating. Next week we're going to try to identify um, what our overarching purpose should be in dating, kind of why, why we date. So I'm going to call that one the purpose of dating. Rocket science there. Then we're going to look at why we should prepare to date and how, how to prepare for dating, what kinds of things should be in your lives as we're going to go about dating. We'll call that one preparing to date. And then finally, uh, I'll help you guys out with some practical advice around the actual dating process. So we'll call that one the process of dating. So you can tell I'm not that creative when it comes to my titles. All right. Well, this one should be pretty straightforward. Um, so let's launch in, and then maybe at the end, I'll try, to, I'll try to save some time for some questions at the end of each session, and then maybe at the end we can have a Q&A um, with Rich. So I can just ask Rich all the hard questions about dating, and you can ask Rich all the hard questions about dating. That sounds good to me. Maybe we'll have Christy come up too. What do you think about that? Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> Strengthening my uh, first title. All right, well, as we, as we get into our topic this morning, I just want to ask and answer just three, three basic questions this morning as we're getting into dating, thinking about that. All right, so my first question is really kind of getting us in, why should we think carefully about dating, right? So you're like, what's there to think about? You know, I need to date, and I'm going to try to find a spouse, right? Well, yeah, there's, there's, there's quite a bit to think about, and for a number of reasons. So let me just, let me just go through a few reasons, a few answers to this question. Why should we think carefully about dating? Um, there's so much, so much we could say. I'll try to limit it here. But, but number one, how you date now impacts marriage later. So, which basically implies if you don't really know God's word and how God's word applies to this phase, then you're, you could potentially, if, you're, if your dating relationship leads to a marriage then you could set yourself up for an unhealthy, very unhealthy marriage. Or, on the, state it positively, how you date now, you date well, date to the glory of God now, that's setting a, a wonderful foundation for marriage later. So it's important to think through. So a Christian realizes that through this process of dating, that they may very well end up with a lifelong companion, which is one of life's greatest joys, according to Ecclesiastes 9.9. It's one of life's greatest joys. It's not to minimize singleness. Singleness is very important, 1 Corinthians 7. But marriage is the norm uh, for, God's, for God's people. And uh, dating is exciting. And it's somewhat terrifying, right? As it should be. But companionship in marriage is an incredible gift, and dating is the path to get there. But here's the thing, right? A, a healthy marriage... A marriage that's characterized by deep love and trust. A marriage that's characterized by um, 
by faithfulness to one another, even by fulfilling sexual intimacy, that kind of marriage that doesn't just happen by default. Okay? It's not just because you get married, therefore you're going to have a healthy one. That's not the way it works because we're sinners coming together in marriage. A healthy marriage is made up of two healthy Christians. So if you don't remember anything else from this series, just remember that. Okay? A healthy marriage is made up of two healthy Christians as they come together. In other words, a, a maximum enjoyment of the blessing of marriage comes when each spouse is fully devoted to Christ. When each spouse is fully submitted to Christ in all things and is therefore willing to work at being obedient to Christ in the marriage. And that's the only way that a healthy marriage happens. And here's another thing. So if we, if we back that step up one more. So that's marriage. So back it up. That kind of attitude of submission to Christ in all things, that doesn't start just when you get married. That starts now. It starts before you date, as you're dating. And it's manifested in, in how you date, right? So if you date well, meaning if you date the way that God intends, in a way that's pleasing to Him, you're setting yourself up for maximal blessing. doesn't mean you're going to get married to that person, but the, even if you break up, it will result in blessing on you. You'll grow into conformity to Christ, and if it does end up in marriage, you're setting yourself up for a healthy marriage. You're laying the right foundation for a fulfilling future relationship as God intends. And so all of that really is still under our, our first point here. All that begs the question, do you know how God intends for you to pursue marriage? Like, is that, is that kind of ready? Could you, are the principles kind of coming to bear for you right now as you think about that? I'm sure you've thought about dating before. Uh, I'm sure that most of you have desires to be in a, in a relationship. But have you thought about how God intends you to pursue this? So if you're fuzzy here, I just I want to encourage you that, that Christ wants you to get clarity from his word so that you can lay a proper foundation as you're progressing toward marriage. And that's part of what this series is going to try to do. It's going to help us, help us get there. All right? So there's, there's a first reason. We, but we should, we should think carefully about dating, um, not just because there's blessings and, and it, it sets us up well for a future marriage, but also because there's, there's a lot of dangers and a lot can go wrong in the process. Some of you are saying... I know, right? Um, I know. A lot can go wrong and often does go wrong in this process. And that's, you know, when you think about it from a sovereignty of God perspective, if you're a believer, um, even that, the Lord uses that for your good. He can ordain that. He can grow you into the image of Christ through that. You learn a lot about yourself. But it's important to think carefully about dating because a lot, a lot can go sideways. Um, as Christians, we're still prone toward idolatry. We're so prone to, to worshiping good things that God's given us and making them the ultimate thing, like a marriage or a dating relationship. We're going to talk about that um, in, in a later week. We're still selfish, obviously, and if you know anything about relationships, when you get selfish in relationships, problems happen, right? And then add to that a lot of hormones, a hefty lack of self-control, and uh, you've got incredible potential for dishonoring the Lord in a, in a dating relationship. And uh, not to mention the pain that we can cause each other by just sort of haphazardly dating and not really thinking through it. Um, we could even end up, as Paul calls it, defrauding one another in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8. So that's when we're, we, we take advantage of one another, we defraud one another in the context even of the church as we're um, 
as we lust and are immoral, sexually immoral with one another. We could end up making provisions for our destructive fleshly impulses. Again, Romans 13, 14. So my point here is just a lot can go wrong. A lot of pitfalls, which means that we should probably give some careful thought to the dating process. All right? Another reason is that there are a lot of opinions out there about dating or courting or fill in the blank, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, doesn't take long. Just go into the bookstore or Amazon and you know, type in Christian dating, type in Christian courtship, and uh, you're going to find all kinds of stuff out there, um, some better than others. But, you know, or if you just kind of go talk to somebody on campus, hey, what do, you, what do you think dating should look like? You're going to get a lot of different answers, right? And they trend in, we're obviously, we always trend toward extremes when it comes to these things. So there's really kind of two extremes here that you, you want to watch out for when it comes to the, the noise out there in the Christian subculture. And some, some on the one side, they add additional standards to what Scripture teaches. Does that make sense? Like, they, they put additional things. They may even be wise principles or good things to maybe observe, but the Bible doesn't say that. So they, they add additional things to what the Scriptures say, and then that's okay if they're doing that for themselves, but then they usually try to mandate that particular method to all Christians everywhere. Does that make sense? Courtship is kind of notoriously guilty of that, even though there's a lot of wisdom in some of those principles, especially how far off we are today from any kind of like decorum in the dating process, right? So I get that, but the pitfall you've got to watch out for there, the noise happens, you know, as they say things like, well, you should always get permission from the dad before you, you ever go on a date. Well, that might be a good principle, like kind of at its core, but like you can't just go force that on everybody because there's lots of, there's lots of different situations, right? Or you should never date for more than a year, you know, because you got to get married, you know, Three months is best, you know, kind of thing. It's like, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's, not, that's, not, that's not chapter and verse, okay? So there's principles maybe that are underneath that that we can talk about, but let's talk about those. Let's not make, let's not make these standards um, across the board. So again, statements may have wisdom behind them, but they're not hard and fast commands in Scripture. So we've got to be careful on how we advocate for those. So the other extreme, so that's one, Extreme. The other extreme is kind of a reaction to that, and it's it, it, it's kind of comes more in the form of your your friends and your peer groups, most of the time. Uh, although I'm sure you could find some books that kind of advocate this, but they don't sound much different than just sort of secular dating advice. And I came out of a very secularized way of of pursuing the opposite sex. So when I came to Liberty, I was still unconverted, and it was very kind of culture shock. I was like, "What is going on here?" You know, there's a lot of rules, there's a lot of, like, social faux pas, and so the Lord saved me and helped me, but I have a sympathy for people that come out of that kind of background. Um, and so lots of times what we can do is we can just kind of import the way we used to do it now in this, in this new context, but we don't really know what we're doing, and we can get into a lot of trouble. Um, but sometimes we talk to our friends, and it, they talk a lot about legalism, you know, in dating. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not legalistic. You don't want to be legalistic, you know. Uh, I'm free in Christ to, to do X, Y, and Z, you know. We don't want to... And those get thrown around a lot, especially when it comes to boundaries and physical intimacy, things like that. 
And most of the time, they don't understand what legalism is. Okay? So at, at, the, at the foundation. So we, I'm not going to sit here and unpack all that right now, but just be wary of people in your peer group throwing around the legalism word, talking about being free in Christ, especially as it comes to rationalizing how far they can go with their boyfriend or girlfriend. Okay? Most of these folks are usually reacting to what they perceive to be a stuffy and sort of overly restrained approach to dating or courting or whatever it is. So, just talking about some pitfalls here. There's a desperate need then for us to get some biblical clarity on the topic so that we can hear God's voice through the noise and apply his principles to this process to kind of bring some sanity to to the noise of human opinion. All right? So, that's another reason. We also need to think carefully about dating because there's so many superficial solutions that are given to the problems or the temptations that come along with the dating relationship. So there's superficial solutions that are given or offered up to try to be helpful, but in the end, it just, it, it's not addressing the real issue. So what do I mean? What's an example? Well, I know we've been talking about physical intimacy, so let's take that one. You know, couples struggling with lust, and, and what couple doesn't, to some degree, you know, struggle with lust. I get that, especially at this season. But I'm always blown away at how superficial the solutions are to deal with that. I'll give you an example. You just need to set up some boundaries, dude. You know? Okay. <laughs> boundaries? You know, you know, or have you ever talked about boundaries with, with her? And that, that's great. To talk about boundaries. You do need boundaries. You definitely need to talk through them, and having a conversation might help for a brief period, but boundaries alone will not change your heart. You can set up all the boundaries in the world, and if both of you guys want to break them, you're going to break them. You still desire, you still crave, you still long for what you're not supposed to have. What's called covetousness, by the way? It's idolatry. And it's, it's rare that a book on dating discusses how to mortify idolatry in the heart. Right? Because in the end, we don't really want to do that. Because we really still want this. Desperately. We want it now. We're not willing to wait on marriage. And so the scriptures help us understand our root problem. It, it helps us understand how to fight it. And it also comes with the power to cultivate real self-control in these environments. So, I just want to help us avoid some of the superficiality that often comes with, with dating advice in this series. So we've got to think carefully about dating for all those reasons. Let me throw one more in there. Um, you know, kind of, I'm anticipating somebody saying, well, I'm single, no prospects, I don't want to think about dating right now. Or, uh, I have the gift of singleness, and I don't want to be married. I would rather serve Christ uh, exclusively. Or, I'm married, man, you know, that ship's already sailed. Why am I sitting through, you know, that's very few of you, but I, I, I want to argue that a series like this is relevant to everybody, and obviously the ones that it's most relevant for are those that are dating or, in the, or aspiring to date. Um, you want to hear what the church says and leadership thinks about this topic, what the Bible says about the process, and that's what we want to do. We want to, we want to put in your minds biblical principles. We want to stay away from human opinion as much as we can and, and, and put in, in place the biblical principles that are going to help you navigate this process well. Avoid some of these pitfalls. But even those of you who don't desire marriage or are already married, this series is extremely pertinent for you too. So please don't tune me out. 
because this series is going to serve for you. It's going to help you get categories to either advise your friends and help them get clarity, or if you're married, you know, kind of give that in that discipleship relationship. Okay, here's, here's some things that you need to be thinking about, kind of laying those biblical principles in the minds of others. So um, this will help, help you help your friends please, please the Lord. So let, that's, that's some basic reasons of why we, should, why we should think carefully about the topic. There's more that we could say, but... Um, but that leads us to our next obvious question, right? So if we need to think carefully about the topic, then, well, what does the Bible actually say about dating? It's fair. What, what does the Bible say, then, about this process? And that's a great question, because that should be one of our first questions that we consider when we, we're thinking about anything in life. What does the Bible say about it? What's God's mind about this issue? How does His Word come to bear on this topic? Are you ready? Doesn't say much. Doesn't say much, all right? Not much, okay? The Bible doesn't explicitly command any particular dating method for us. Don't panic. But just state that up front. I think it's extremely helpful for us, okay? The Bible does not explicitly command any particular dating method for us. We're going to look at some of the implications of that in a minute. But for now, I, I just want to simply make that observation. Okay? Doesn't command any particular method. No. But, it doesn't command them, but there are some methods that are described in the Bible. And uh, we certainly have several to choose from if you want to go that route. I would not recommend it because they are uh, just described in how people got their wives. But you got Adam's method, <laughs> right? Maybe call it like the, the custom narcolepsy method. God puts him to sleep, and then he designs a wife specifically for him, out of his bone, all right? So God could cut you to sleep if you want that method. He could open you up, design a wife just for you. No, I'm just not gonna, that's not going to happen. Or there's, uh, if we just follow the patriarchs, Okay, there's Abraham's earlier method, which was uh, maybe what we'll call the West Virginia method. <laughs> Just marry your half-sister. It's pretty easy. All right, keep it in the family. Wouldn't recommend that. Or there's Abraham's later method for his own son, right? And it's a, it's a I don't know if he reflected on this, or it's probably a bit more complicated than his earlier method. Step one, father sends his employee back to his hometown. Step two, the employee goes to a gas station. It's the cultural equivalent of a well. Then he waits for uh, the first lady to come out and fill up his car with gas. Remember the story? He feeds the camels, waters the camels. Yep, okay, tracking. Step three, he has dinner that night with the family, and the employee asks her to marry someone she's never seen or met. Step four, if she agrees, then the employee pays the family a lot of cash. Kind of getting weird for us in our context. Step five, she comes back and gets married within the week. So you could, you could go with that method. Or to kind of keep going down the line, the, there's Jacob's method, or maybe we could call it Laban's method. <laughs> you know, you guys forget college, okay? Just, just scrap it, throw it out the window. You don't have any more exams. Just go sign up for seven years to work at the, work at the farm, okay? 
just need to go work for her dad for seven years to get in his good graces. But just let me give you a little bit of advice if you go with that method. Check behind the veil before you say, I do. Because <laughs> that can be really problematic. Fathers who, who perform this method tend to switch the bride at the last minute. It's not good. All right? There's more that we could, you know, we could keep going down this path. You know, you've got Samson's method. Go get me that woman, mom and dad. So read Judges. That's essentially what he says. Yeah, so anyway, let's just, let's just tie it up right here. I'm obviously not being serious right now, and it, I'm borderlining on kind of making jokes about Scripture. If we were to look at those texts in context, I'm kidding, okay? If we were to look at those texts in context, we would see exactly why those things happened the way they did. If we understood the culture behind it, it would make perfect sense to us. So, um, but the point is this. Dating methods, if we can even call them that, are just described in Scripture. They're never commanded. All right? There's no specific method required of us. Well, if that's the case, then how can the Bible help us? Well, well don't panic because the Bible does promise to instruct us to live wisely in every phase of life, including dating. All right? The Bible does promise to instruct us to live wisely in every phase of life, including dating. And we'll cover this quickly because this is just a... This is kind of an application of another thing, right? So the, the scriptures are sufficient for us. There's no one biblical dating method, but the Bible does claim to be sufficient for every area of our Christian lives. Think about 1 Peter 1.3, right? His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So everything that, that pertains to life, eternal life, godliness now, in the here and now, true life and godliness, which would include dating and getting married, He's given us, he's granted to us all things through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So everything that's, that's relevant to eternal life and to growth and godliness is given to us through the knowledge of God, through scripture. Uh, Paul says the same thing in 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. All scriptures breathed out by God and it's, here's key, profitable. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. You know the verse, and, and it's so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So marriage is a good thing, and the process to be married is a good thing, so that we can trust that the Bible, God's written word, will completely equip us for that. It's comprehensive. So the Bible's enough for us to save us, to grow us, and to guide us into, in, in every stage of life, including dating. So... Let me, let's, uh, let's throw a third, a third answer to this question. What does the Bible say about dating? It doesn't command any uh, particular method, and it does promise to instruct us on all things. And the Bible's silence on dating is actually very instructive for us, okay? So to kind of come back to that idea. Well, how so? How is, how is the Bible's silence on dating actually instructive? Well, according to Scripture, there are essentially two categories, maybe a third, but two categories of singleness and marriage. You could squeeze betrothal in there. That's a different, different topic, but it's, that's so similar to marriage. Uh, we'll just, I'm collapsing those into two categories, singleness and marriage. Those are the scriptural categories. The Lord tells us explicit things about each of those two categories. So explicit things in 1 Corinthians 7 about singleness. Paul describes the benefits of singleness in the New Covenant. 
We're told a lot about marriage too, a ton about marriage, from the very first pages of Scripture on. God tells us He created marriage. He tells us why He created marriage. He provides explicit passages about the roles and responsibilities of husbands and wives. He gives clear commands. He gives promises. He gives warnings that relate to those roles. So God has been very clear. He's been very explicit about the nature of those two categories. But He has not been explicit about dating. And so just to underscore that point, that Scripture doesn't recognize dating or courting as a third separate category, notice what is not said in the following passages. Okay? 1 Corinthians 7.39. Paul does not tell the widow who is currently single to date a Christian. Instead, he says to the single woman, the single widow, to marry one. Marry whomever you desire, only in the Lord. Right? Not date whoever you desire. Marry whoever you desire. 1 Timothy 5.14. And likewise, we're told in Proverbs 18.22 that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Not who finds a girlfriend, right? But who finds a wife finds a good thing. So there's, there's not this other category. And this silence is, we, we can draw some implications maybe from this, from this silence. Let me, just, let me just spell out a few of them for you real quick. If the Bible's silent on, on dating, then that implies that we should not create a third category in our minds of dating. We shouldn't create a third category and treat it as some third separate category in like kind of on par with singleness and marriage. I'm not saying don't acknowledge the fact that something different's happening. Okay? It's fine and appropriate and to recognize that something different's happening because it is something different is happening. We'll talk about that. But it's more important to realize that in God's eyes, you're still single. Still very much single. Nothing's changed. Because it's tempting in a dating relationship to play marriage or to reach for some of those gifts that are reserved exclusively for marriage. Make sense? So God says, yeah, these are good things. I've created them, and that's for that. So we start creating this third category. We start thinking, okay, you're already not yet. You know, I want to... I I want to get some of these categories, I want to get some of these benefits now when they're actually supposed to be for marriage alone. We'll, we'll look at how to, to navigate some of those things later in the series. But I just want to make the point now, you don't stop being single until you're married according to the Bible. All right, that's the first implication. Another one is that the, this also implies that the purpose of dating should be to test companionship for marriage. And there's going to be, if you're like, what does that mean? Okay, there's more. We're going to talk about that in the next session. But if there are only two categories, singleness, marriage, then dating, whatever happens to get you from singleness to marriage, should have then marriage as its exclusive destination, its exclusive purpose. And you're thinking like, well, duh. But you'll be surprised if you really just stop and think about it, how many other ulterior motives are, are operating in your heart to get a boyfriend or girlfriend. Right? If you're dating or you want to date just because that's what people your age do or just to have some fun or just so you don't feel insecure about yourself or just because you're lonely and you crave intimacy, you're dating for the wrong reason. Dating exists to serve the end purposes of marriage. All right? So it's the purpose of dating then, it implies that it is to test companionship for marriage. And then finally, this kind of a final cascading implication that flows out of everything that we've just looked at uh, is something like this. We should give significant thought to marriage and to preparing for that before we date. 
as we're dating, right? Ideally before, but we don't live in an ideal world, right? We should give some significant thought to marriage, because that's where we're headed, and to preparing for that um, as we date or before we date. So, in other words, we need to know what the Bible says about those categories before we kind of embark on the dating process, ideally. So at this moment, just ask yourself some questions. At this moment, do you, do you know the most significant biblical passages on marriage? You know what they say. You know where they are in the Bible. Can you name them? Could you articulate the purpose of marriage? Why God created it in the first place? Could you articulate to someone from Scripture what a husband's role is in marriage? What a wife's role? Guys, do you know the specific commands that the Lord will hold you accountable for if, when you get married? Ladies, same is true. Do you know the specific commands the Lord will hold you accountable for once you get married? So if we're, we're going to hit this topic of preparing to date in the, in the third session. So, um, so if you feel inadequate, great. That's going to light the fire in you to get after it and try to figure out, okay, what does the Bible actually say here? And so that just leads us to our third question. This is where we're going to land. What exactly is dating? What exactly is it? How do, we, how do we tie it all together? Well, based on everything we've said, here's a crack at my definition. Okay, dating is the process of going from singleness to marriage in a way that honors Christ. It's pleasing to Him. So it's, it's just the pathway, you can think about it, is the pathway to get to marriage in a way that's pleasing to Christ. And that Christ, we can be confident, we don't have to be arrogant, I don't want you to be arrogant, but we can be confident that if we really lean into what the scriptures say, Christ will equip us not to be pain-free, and that's not what I'm saying, because you might get your heart broken still, but to at least do it in a way where you can have a clean conscience, there can be joy, um, and it can be a, a fruitful experience for, for both of you. Um, so, that's all I've got for this session. We've got two minutes. So, what are your questions in our introduction to dating? I might just punt because we might be covering whatever your questions are for the next, next series. But got a couple minutes here. Shotgun approach. Any, any thoughts, questions? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. So the question, if I'm understanding it, is how do you prepare your heart not to idolize marriage? Is that the, is that the idea? Yeah. So marriage is a good gift from God and is normally to be desired. So just because you desire something and you desire it deeply doesn't mean that you're idolizing it. Okay? So the, then the next question is, well, how do I know if I'm idolizing marriage, right? So one of some of the telltale signs, you've heard this before, but we'll say it again, that you can know if you're idolizing something is, are you sinning in some way to try to get that thing? Um, or are you sinning because you don't have that thing? Or are you sinning because you want to keep that thing? Right? So 
let's play it out in the dating context, okay? Are you sinning to try to get marriage? Are you trying to manipulate somebody to date you? Are you, are you um, just working the end arounds because you're not really trusting the Lord because you you're like, I've got to have this thing, right? Um, I've got to have marriage. I, gotta, I can't be fulfilled without it. We're going to go through some of, the, some of the manifestations of that uh, in a couple weeks, I think, in one of these sessions. So we'll, we'll hit it. But for now, you know, sinning to get it, uh, sinning to keep it would look like, okay, we're, we're clearly being sexually immoral, um, but I can't, I can't imagine life without this person, so I'm going to continue in the relationship, even though there's all these signs that this is going to be a train wreck, okay? So I'm going to, but I'm going to hold on to it, because I can't imagine breaking up with this person. That's idolizing something, maybe marriage, maybe the relationship. Um, sinning if you don't have it, you know, I can't believe I'm not married. I can't believe I'm not dating. I can't believe there's no prospects. I'm, you're coveting people. You're jealous of somebody that is dating. Those are all sort of telltale signs that your heart has, has made that an ultimate thing, right? Um, again, a lot more that we could, we could talk about that, but that is an extreme danger because if you don't check that, you're bringing that idolatrous heart into marriage. So let's say you get married. Guess what? Your spouse cannot satisfy you, cannot save you, cannot be your God. And that is going to destroy your marriage. That's what idolatry does. So the best way you can prepare is to be a faithful Christian, healthy Christian, that's not just not idolizing marriage, but not idolizing anything, right? That we desperately desire. And putting Christ, learning what it means to worship, know Christ, follow Him, yield our wills to Him when it's hard, all the basics of the Christian life, that is preparation. Um, that's, that's, that's anti-idolatry, because you're, what are you doing? What's anti-idolatry is true worship. It's the worship of the true and living God, right? So anything that you can, that you can do to cultivate true worship is uh, the best antidote. Good question. Any others? We don't have time for one more, but we'll ask it. Yeah, that's session four. <laughs> yeah, how do, you, how do you go about the process in a way that's, that's sort of natural? It lets things develop. You're not rushing it too fast. You're not, but you're not, like, dragging it out. Typically, you know, we see the guy do that sometimes, and the girl's like, what is he thinking, right? Like, is he even? So, yeah, we'll talk about some of that and try to get some of that even. It's helpful to do it in even this context where you're kind of like, oh, we're all single in here. Yes, you are but to kind of get those expectations like on the table. Um, that's, that's a great question, helpful question. We'll look at that in session four. Yeah, good. We'll be thinking, and if you have questions, send them to me, text them to me, ask them you know, through the week, and they, you know, that way I know I'm, I'm, I'm hitting where you're at, okay? Because I'm going to be proactive. I know what you need, but it's always good to know where you're at and what questions you're asking, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it equips us in every phase. And I pray that you would do that for us through your spirit um, in the weeks to come. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.